Your Locked On Coyotes, your daily podcast on the Arizona Coyotes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the show, everyone. This is Locked On Coyotes. I want to thank everyone for making this show your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, which does mean we will never, ever have a paywall. we got a great show for you guys today. We are going to go to part two of our conversation, our crossover episode, Locked On Coyotes and Locked On Blackhawks. Obviously, Carl are going to be, is going to be rejoining me in just a moment for that. But part two is coming just now yeah. uh but i definitely wanted to ask you too about dylan strome who four years ago as we were talking about before recording seems like eight years ago because of everything that's happened uh but one once upon a time nick schmaltz was a fan favorite here in chicago and then uh as stan bowman liked to do there at the end of his tenure just said hey you're playing well with patrick kane Sorry, got to send you out of town. Can't be having that. So please give all my listeners out there an update on Nick Schmaltz because he's coming off a, a really strong season, probably at least from afar, I'd say his best as a Coyote. Uh, do you want to go first, Robin? Yeah, um, I, you know, like I really like Nick Schmaltz. He's really coming to his own as a member of the Coyotes. Um, I have to say, like, you know, you know he's kind of, become now that you know that leader like i think it's unfortunate the fact that so for the longest time he was kind of put as the one c which a lot of people were just like schmaltz is your one c yeah. <laughs> but like he's been like, he's been great especially when playing alongside clayton keller like those two players and i know carl will probably back me up on this like they like are like the life and blood of this team right now <laughs> yeah <laughs> Schmaltz and Keller play so well together. It's insane to watch. It's like they were made to play with each other. Um, and it was great to see, like, this past year, Keller got hurt for the first time in his career. Like, uh, missed a game in, I think, four seasons, uh, if I remember that correctly. Um, but Schmaltz continued to be, like, a force on the ice. He is exactly what the the coyotes fans kind of needed to be um he did get a bit of heat uh john shaka signed him to a long-term deal and you know he wasn't playing well for the past couple years uh, although let's be fair no one was playing well the last couple years of rick tocket uh coyotes so uh, i was never really sure how much to put on him but you know in his first year under a new coach you know, with Clayton Keller, both of them older and stronger. They're like a phenomenal duo. What well, one thing I wanted to ask for sure about Schmaltz too was, and I think this was one of the factors that played into him ultimately getting traded by the Hawks was he was always a pass first playmaker. And when he was playing with Patrick Kane, Kaner's the setup guy. Like he's trying to find you in the slot for an open shot. And it always seemed like Nick Schmaltz was a little passive with the puck on his stick and was would rather set up his teammates than score a goal of his own. But I saw he netted 23 goals in 63 games this year. Has that been an issue for him at all in Arizona? And have you seen him pick it up at all? Or um, is he still kind of a, a pass first type of guy? I'm curious as how he's kind of developed that all around game. 
I mean, at this point, it, it was Schmaltz and Keller who were responsible for most of the Coyotes' goals, and they were on the same line. So he he got much better at being a little bit more selfish because he knew, like, yeah, it can't be Keller scoring, like, 50 goals. I'm going to have to take 20 of them. Um, <laughs> Put your perspective on this. You know, Schmaltz, you know, he, he only played 63 games before, you know, because, he you know, he got his, you know, his season also shortened to an injury. And in that, he had the, his most goals of his career in 23. Like, that's already telling you something of, like, exactly where he is right now in, in terms of play style, play style, being able to not being afraid to shoot a lot more. And, again, and that goes, you know, being alongside Clayton Keller. Like, those two are just so good. Like, and like that line in general, that that top line or whatever line, whatever number line Andre Tourney wants to name him at, I mean, <laughs> they work so well together and it, and it, and it, and it, and it showed. It should be noted the one knock against Nick Schmaltz's game is he has missed pretty substantial time due to injury. Um, and that's definitely something where I think at this point we just kind of expect Schmaltz is going to miss at least 20 to 30 games a season. Yeah, that, that's tough. And he's always been a little bit of a smaller framed guy. Um, so I, I think that might have something to do with it as well. Uh, and he did get banged around a bit in Chicago early on in his career before he kind of learned how to dodge some of those hits and get himself out of trouble. So yeah, that's definitely something that he's going to have to work on if he wants to, you know, live up to those contract expectations that he got. Uh, One last thing I wanted to ask about Nick Schmaltz as well. Uh, I noticed this year um, by far the fewest amount of face-offs that he's taken since coming to the Coyotes. Did they, did they move him around on the wing a decent amount? Because he had had face-off problems in Chicago. Yeah. So that top line that he played alongside Keller, or maybe even top, like the like the line that got the most minutes. Yeah, top line. It doesn't make it make a difference in for the Torney system, but um, they 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 put him on the wing and they tried they tried out a few different centers. I think Barrett Hayton got a couple shots up there, but um, it was uh, Travis Boyd who got the who got most of the games at center. <laughs> yeah, that, right. Noted him. top line top center line Travis, Travis Boyd. Boyd. Yeah, that's what everybody wants as one C. um, It makes no sense, but it worked. Bit of of foreshadowing for the next segment, but this is what you have to look forward to. Number one center, Travis Boyd. Uh, You will find your equivalent. (laughs) That's great. Um, But yeah, that's always been an interesting thing about Schmaltz too, and that was something the Blackhawks just went uh, went through with Kirby Doc before they traded him to Montreal, Um, is whether or not, Nick Schmaltz is going to be a center in the long run because can he get it done at the dot? I know some people think that's an overrated stat and sure, not all face-offs are equally important, right? But there are times where you need to go and win that offensive zone draw or win that defensive zone draw on the penalty kill and get the boys out of a situation. That's just something that needs to happen from time to time. There are, there is an importance in face-offs and you know, when you give someone like Nick Schmaltz that type of money, I think you kind of feel like he should be your number one center. So do you, do you think he can do that long-term? I know he, he did win a career high 47%, 47.7% of his face-offs last year. So definitely an improvement. Is there a concern or do you feel like he can work it out? Uh, yeah, I, I, I think. I much, much at the wing much anymore. <laughs> I mean, the, cause I think the coyotes have a, you know, have a strategy and plan of, we talked you know, Carl and I have talked about, you know, you know, center depth and everything like that the coyotes, 
the last couple of years had none. And that's kind of why, you know, Nick Schmaltz was there and did what he could. Um, but now, like, they're kind of going in a situation where, like, okay, now we, we're building we're building our, you know, prospects at center. You know, Barry Hayton is in there. Um, they just got Jack McBain and Nate Smith to kind of help bolster the center. They just drafted Logan Cooley and Connor Geeky. Uh, they at now at center for the next few years are going to be set. So like they, they're kind of trying to put all that stress off of Nick Schmaltz. Hey everybody, it's Carl from the podcast you're listening to. We have more great crossover with Locked On Blackhawks, Locked On Coyotes. Hope you guys are all enjoying it. But first, gotta take a little bit of time to tell you about our friends at Bet Online. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. You can find all your your favorite sports and events and get the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. You can find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. We're in Arizona. I know a lot of people like golf. But have you thought about betting on golf? Bet online is the place to go. Bet online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information. From live betting, scores, and podcasts, they have you covered. Head over to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online, where the game starts. Not a bad idea. I will also say, um, Clinton Keller is making more money. So he has always been the lightning rod for overpaid player. Uh, he like threw that shackle off like this past season when he just exploded onto the scene, but Schmaltz has never really had that kind of expectation. Uh, the contracts that John shake assigned were interesting. And I think they're mostly working out. Uh, I, I'm happy with the Keller deal. I'm happy with the Schmaltz deal, even though he's not performing as a number one center. Um, happy with the Jacob Chikrin deal, and uh, I was happy with the Christian Dvorak deal until he got traded to Montreal. Yeah, I mean, that, that feels like a good situation for Nick Schmaltz to be in, right? And like you said, Robin, there's a lot of this center depth that should be coming up in the next couple of years. So it's kind of, I feel like a, a not a stress-free situation because I'm sure Nick Schmaltz would like to play center. He's played there his whole career, but at the end of the day, if you're getting the job done, regardless of the position, you're going to take that. So seems like a good situation for Nick Schmaltz, who's still a relatively young player to be in. Um, but all in all, I mean, looking back at this trade, Blackhawks lost it. What do you uh, know? What do you know? I had someone try and argue that the fact that uh, Dylan Strom was paid less means that the Blackhawks kind of won. And I'm like, no, no, the fact no, that no, Schmaltz is going to be with the team uh, and Blackhawks got nothing. Uh, I I wonder. Um, I, I think you guys probably won the Murphy for uh, Yarmelson trade, though. Just yeah, because, that, yeah. That one ended up working out well. Sorry to cut you off. Oh, no, yeah. I just remember that era. A lot of Coyotes and Blackhawks trades. Oh, my um, gosh. The Blackhawks were, I swear, for like two years there, it was the Hurricanes and the Coyotes. That was it. Like, every time we'd play those two teams, it would be like, it was basically the former team. Like, that's, that's how it was looking. It was, yeah, it was think, crazy like, there for a while. Um, I think – 
I forgot the exact name, but I know like the the combined city name that Cat Silverman called them, like Shit Crazona. Just like (laughs) you just it just happens to be like okay, yeah. You guys, you had Jordan Osterley for a little bit too, right? Yeah. Yes. There there would just be random ones that would pop up. Anti Ranta, like it was just all over the place. Yeah, it it happened a lot. Uh, Hinnestrosa for a while. Um, yeah, yeah. That one was – I do want to talk about that trade for one second, though, because when that trade happened, Blackhawks fans lost their marbles, lost their absolute marbles. Like Nick Jalmerson was the heart and soul. Guy was blocking shots with his neck and playing w- with a collar out there. It was the definition of doing anything to get the job done. And then slowly, like, Connor Murphy got off to a, a tough start his first year. That was wound up, wound up being Joel Quenville's last, and – it was a dicey first year, and everybody's like, oh, boy, this is who we got for Nicholas Jalmerson. And then Murphy has steadily become the Blackhawks' best defenseman over the past three or four years. He did have a down year this year, but uh, even when Duncan Keith was still on the team the past two seasons, Connor Murphy was was the best defenseman for the Blackhawks. So that trade ended up working out all right, even though at, that's funny how that looked. Like, at the time, we thought that was going to be a for sure L. I don't know. I never know what the Blackhawks nowadays, guys. <laughs> Yeah. I I just remember at the time thinking that the Coyotes rushed Murphy and ruined him, and he was never going to be good because <laughs> he was just rushed. And I was like, "Well, I'm right that they rushed him," uh, and thankfully he was able to recover. And like a couple of years later, turned into a phenomenal defenseman. Uh, but Yarmulson was a very big part of the Coyotes too. Like he wasn't here for long, but he was awesome, well loved dude. by the fan awesome, base. Dude. Uh, and Oliver Ekman Larson, like loved the guy, like loved playing with him and seeing them together. That was always really fun. But, uh, yeah, when Yarmulson wasn't resigned and then the team traded OEL, it, it, it feels like a mini era of the coyotes ended there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Let's, let's talk about, about, uh, for, for just a little bit, the, uh, you know, tankathon though, because, um, right, I forgot our two teams suck. Yeah, because the Blackhawks, <laughs> they pretty much sold their entire team this offseason. They're kind of now joining the Coyotes in the tank hard for Bedard sweepstakes. They blew um, it up in a really fun way, I have to say. Like, the Coyotes. Fun? Fun? This yeah. is fun? I mean, maybe for you two. <laughs> yeah. No, the Coyotes traded their captain and their best player for a draft pick and acquired three older veterans. So yeah, seeing another team go like full, like cartoon character with a TNT, like mallet pushing down (laughs) was, was fun to see. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. I mean, a complete blow up in the past couple of weeks. I mean, and it it was, uh, it, it leaves me feeling hopeful, but still very sad because while I do like what the Blackhawks did in the 2022 draft, they started the day with no picks and ended up with three. Um, and I'm hopeful for those players. At the end of the day, I, I still think we forced the Alex Dabrinka trade. Like it wasn't something that a hundred percent needed to happen. And even how Kyle Davidson was talking about the trade leading up to it, like he was saying, we're not going to force it. We're not going to settle for anything less than we want. And to hear him say after the fact that he still felt that was like the highest possible return that he could have got for Debrinkin. It was just like, why did we do this? So I'm, I'm hopeful for the direction we're taking. Um, it's going to be a while. I'll tell you that though. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, a, a full blow up. I mean, trading Kirby Doc to trading DeBrinket, not bringing back Dylan Strom, um, just an endless amount of moves. And now it's it's truly Kyle Davidson's era. It's it's his era, hundred percent. He has his fingerprints all over it, and he seems confident in what he's done so far. And to be fair, I will give him credit. What he's done as frustrating as it may be, it shouldn't be that surprising because he did kind of outline this plan when he first took over and said, listen, we know we need to build back up through the draft better. We haven't developed someone from our minor league team in like eight years. We need to focus on that, get better at uh, the development process. So, you know, we, we shouldn't be too surprised with the moves that they've made, but yeah, it's, it's for sure his time. And I'm going to say if it doesn't work out in, in four to five years, a lot of Blackhawks fans are going to be pissed, especially if Alex DeBrinkett is lighting it up in Ottawa or wherever he ends up, because Artemi Panarin was painful enough to let go of. And if Alex DeBrinkett does that and the Blackhawks don't, don't, if these prospects don't pan out and the rebuild doesn't truly work, it's it's going to be feeling worse than than going back to square one. Yeah, the absolute big hope in all of this, and you know the Coyotes can get included on this, and a few other teams, is again that big ticket I mentioned. Connor Bedard is like that. That's what everyone's trying to go for this this upcoming next draft, the 2023 draft. Like it's uh, like. At, at, from what I'm hearing, everyone is saying this is the kind of player that will turn around a franchise like almost instantly. So, like, I mean, that's the hope, right? Yeah, a hundred percent. And I was, I was literally even thinking to myself before we were doing the show, I was like, we could just scream at each other for thirty minutes about who wants Connor Bedard more. Like that could just be the whole outline of the show. Like, no, I want Bedard more. No, I want Bedard more. Like that could just be the whole thing because that's basically the storyline of our two seasons, and we're not even close to training camp yet. Oh yeah, that that brings up an important question. Um, do you think the cat or the Blackhawks are going to get worse? Because I know. We didn't really think the Coyotes were going to make any moves before the start of last year's training season or training camp. And then the team shipped out Christian Dvorak. And, you know, there's a couple of big names on Chicago. Do you think there's going to be more trades to come? I don't think so. I don't think it's going to happen. I, I could be totally wrong, but I don't think it's going to happen this offseason. I think the Blackhawks, A, they, they do respect – Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taze's careers. And they obviously should, right? I mean, they've been here forever, brought three Stanley Cups to the city, will forever go down in history and have their jerseys raised whenever they decide to retire. So they kind of deserve that respect. And they, the Blackhawks front office wants to, they want to have open dialogue with them throughout this process. And they've had conversations already. And it seems like they want to give both of them potentially, I don't want to say they're going to be traded at the deadline, but I mean, with everything we just did, it's looking pretty darn likely that Kane seems a little bit more likely than Taze, but it still seems both seem pretty unlikely that either of them are going to get a contract once their current deal is up at the end of next season. So if there's a time to move them, it would probably be at the deadline this upcoming season. And that would also still give them a farewell tour per se in Chicago. And also this team is going to stink. No one's going to want to come see these games, but guess what? It could be the last time you see Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taze play. So come on down to the United center and pay $10 for tickets. You know, like that's going to be the pitch. Right. And I think, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense for various different reasons, but, but it does seem, 
I still like it. It hasn't even sunk in fully that Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane, their time in Chicago, it's it's ticking, and it looks like it could be coming to an end here. It really hasn't settled in, but with what the Blackhawks have done, all signs are kind of pointing in that direction. But, no, I don't think it's going to happen this summer. They've had conversations, and their agent actually, uh, Pat Brisson, released a statement saying that they're kind of not going to make any rash decisions, and they're going to kind of let things settle and – see ultimately what they want to do. It just doesn't seem like it's going to happen this offseason, if I had to guess. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it is early in the offseason, but it feels like the buzz around a potential trade has kind of, like, gone down. Uh, you, you never know with teams. Like, they could decide, like, two weeks from now, be like, you know what? Maybe, like, going and, like, starting with a new team at training camp is the best way to go about this. You know, get that one last cup chance, but – I mean, who even knows who has the space for them at this point? That's the interesting part, too. But maybe the Blackhawks eat half of it. That's the only thing that I think of to kind of entice the offer. And look, they're not they're not going to be pushing for contention or anything. And uh, they're going they're going to be able to do that. They're they're not in a tough financial spot for the first time in seemingly a decade. So that's one thing that could work in their favor as well. Like I said, look forward to number one center, uh, Travis Boyd, in your future, uh, the <laughs> I, I do, equivalent of that. I, I do want to ask, as we are now division rivals, um, we know that this season is going to stink probably for both of us. Um, but what if there was anything that a Blackhawks fan would be looking for when we play the Coyotes this year, if it's a player or – if there's like a sort of, if there's something to pay attention to about this team, what, what would you think it would be like, what's going to be the high point or something you're going to be focusing on throughout the course of the season this year, because we know it's not going to be the wins and losses. No. Uh, Robin, go first. Oh, I get to put me, have me go first. All right. Um, you know, I think it's seen the, like the, uh, First of all, like a lot, all, all the prospects that we want to see, obviously, are not are not going to be there, right? Because they're all like the Coyotes are going to be in no rush for that. Um, it's going to be most, you know, much of the same as this last year. I think it's really just going to see uh, what kind of role, you know, Clayton Keller and uh, and and Nick Schmaltz and you know the leadership team can take as now leaders. There's going to be no official captain in the team. Still, it's still going to be that way. Really. But, yeah, probably not. No, not a year or two. Um, but I, I like. I think a lot of us firmly believe that you know Clayton Keller, you know, about a year or two down the road, will eventually be given that seat. Um, but a lot of that kind of hinges on what he does this year, right? Like, you no, know, not only how he plays on the ice, but like just his overall demeanor as you know navigating through another year of this rebuild. Yeah, it was definitely like last year watching Clayton Keller emerge as a more complete player um, was really fun. Um, and like just focusing on like individual players who are going to survive the rebuild. Like if you're looking at a Coyotes roster and you had two highlighters, you could very easily pick out like five players and you're like, all right, I'm going to just focus on the career journey of these five uh, and everyone else. It's gravy. Uh, <laughs> They're probably not going to be here in two years from now. Um, and, you know, th- there is a potential question mark if Dylan Gunther makes the team. Uh, I-, I don't think he will, but it's always a chance that, you know, the younger guy is going to show, like, there's nothing for him to do in minors and the team doesn't want to, you know, leave him down there and do nothing. Um, 
in which case I would say watch Dylan Gunther. Um, but other than that, probably just, you know, probably the, the players that you know to watch, Clayton Keller, Nick Schmaltz. Hopefully Jacob Chicken has a nice bounce back. Um, Vimelka made you some things. That'd be good. Uh, I lost a lot of money because of Carl Vimelka last year. Like going up against like the Lightning, he pitches like a forty-six save shutout, and I'm like, why? Why today? Why today? Why today? He had three forty-five plus game. Or I think I bet on two of them. I think I bet against the Coyotes on two of them. It was insane to watch him just get like hung out to dry. It's still like just beginning, like all of the saves. You're like, what? what and then like in a game that he should win just kind of like fall apart in like the second Allow, period yeah i get like four goals and in, in like the first three minutes of the second period you're like dude come on <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i would not i would not bet against him uh in the future just because he he has the potential to have just a ridiculous game yeah i mean we've seen it a couple of times and they gave him a what was a three-year deal right um, it was something like that. I know they gave him a pretty good extension, so they feel comfortable. I mean, in yeah, the- it was like two or three, pretty low money. Uh, they they definitely need a backup for him, though. Like he played really well with Scott Wedgwood, like just an older guy who you can expect to like put in games, like take the pressure off a little bit. Um, with Satari, not so much. Like if he was the guy and he get lit up, he would just. Uh, not really be able to survive that which <laughs> young goaltender first season in the nhl like was playing in a czech second league last season and is coming in to be the starter i i, I can understand having some confidence issues that is an accurate assessment of your situation i will also add one more thing to pay to pay attention to and it's an off the ice thing um and it's and it's just a more generalized thing. Maybe Carl, you can back me up on this. Is by the end of this year, the Tempe Rio Salado project should be approved. Yeah, the one point seven billion dollar arena project that they're hoping Ooh. to get built hope, is hopefully approved by the end of this year. Yeah, there, there's some current airport drama uh, because there's always drama with the stadium being built. That's kind of a universal thing, um, but that'll be fun. Uh, and like the first season at ASU, it's going to be pretty exciting. Like I know a lot of other people are making fun of it, but Arizona fans are like, hey, it's, it's cool. It's only going to be three years. Might as well experience it. It's definitely going to be unique and different. I'm, I'm curious, like how many can they fit in there? About It's going to be just under 5,000. Yeah. I wonder how much tickets are going to go for. Because it's pretty less- expensive. That's what I was thinking bucks. as well. Yeah. That's, that's madness. That's such a tough situation to be in. They are setting aside discounted level tickets, I'm assuming, for students. Yeah. Um, I don't like know how much the discount is going to be for, but. I mean, I, I will what say this. Dropping $200 to go see the Coyotes. There are a lot of rich ASU students uh, yeah, from true. True. Uh, Chicago, from California, and from just other countries like i have not seen so many rolls royces owned by students anywhere else wow so maybe it'll be maybe maybe that maybe the ticket prices are not going to be a problem (laughs) yeah yeah uh i I think i've said in a prior episode um if someone doesn't sell out every single game like 
someone's going to be fired. Like that is a oh, yeah. job that they should have. Uh, I have worked ticket sales before. I know that you could sell that out. Uh, you got to just try really hard, but yeah, if someone doesn't, they messed up big. Hey, hopefully they'll be loud for you. Oh, yeah. oh that's, that's, that's the hope. That is yeah. the hope. Anyways, though, we are uh, overtime on this show. Um, Jack, is there anything else that you wanted to share to, um, with our listeners, with your listeners before we close things off? I know we are pushing for time, so I just – real quick question, real quick. Okay. As a Coyotes fan, would you rather have Austin Matthews or Connor Bedard? Because Bedard, yeah, he looks great, but you never know. Yeah, Austin Matthews. There's a novelty of having Austin Matthews home. Yeah. That's the – like – so you said Matthews player being from Scottsdale, like at least a current American born player. Like I, I would say Matthews. I'd say Matthews. Yeah. I was I was thinking that the same way. Like if I could pick one, I'd just go with the surefire thing. But that's the last thing I had. Don't want to be taking up too much more time. <laughs> no, that's great. That is uh, I don't think we've been asked that question, but that is that's the a, perfect yeah, question. Anyways, though, as we close things off, uh, Jack, when are you go let our listeners and yours know where to find you? Absolutely. You can find the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You can find it on there for free. If you want to check out the account on Twitter, you can do so at capital L, capital O underscore Blackhawks. And for my personal account, you can check me out at Jack Bushman, too, for a various different amounts of sports things. And sometimes Marvel things, the new Black Panther or Wakanda Forever trailer came out this morning, and I was very pumped. So that's where you can find me. Awesome. That's that, that, that's once again Jack Bushman of Lockdown Blackhawks. And for us at Lockdown Coyotes, you can find us all over social media on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Lockdown Coyotes, on Instagram at Lockdown Coyotes, and on Twitter at LO underscore Coyotes. I'm personally at Robin underscore Leano. It's Robin with a Y underscore L-E-A-N-O. Carl Pavlock is at Carl Pavlock F-F-H. You can interact with all of us, ask a question you might have, we might might answer right back, or on a future episode of the podcast. Well, that's going to be it for today's episode. Once again, thanks everyone for tuning in. Thanks, Jack, for being a part of this awesome crossover episode. And for my Coyotes listeners out there, don't forget to stay healthy, and don't forget to howl on. Ah!